Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Hire a Geek Podcast, episode number 109, all about appreciative inquiry in higher education. Uh, we're talking with uh, Joan MacArthur Blair and Jeannie Cockell, who are consulting partners uh, who are uh, focused all in on that, have wrote uh, two great books on this topic, and I just really uh, am glad that we got the time here to uh, talk through everything for the podcast. So uh, definitely check out their work uh, in the show notes. Definitely check out uh, the merch store is the holidays approach. <laughs> A lot of cool stuff there uh, to, to grab uh, and uh, definitely appreciate the support there as always. And with all of that, after this brief message from our sponsor, this is episode number 109 focused on appreciative inquiry in higher education. This episode is sponsored by Degree.me, a one-stop college research tool for students. If you work for a college or university, you'll want to learn all about their ability to connect you with the right students at a budget-friendly price. To find out more, please visit Degree.me H-E-G. All right, so I am uh, super excited to have both of you on. It's always neat when I have uh, two guests just to get uh, you know two different perspectives on the same episode, but kind of focusing on uh, one topic that I'm super excited to explore um, of appreciative inquiry, uh, kind of in the higher ed context. So um, yeah, we'll get right to it if we want to just kick us off uh, as we usually do um, with uh, introductions and your professional journeys of how you got to be where you are today. So um, we'll start with Eugenie and then go over to Joan. Great. Well, uh, I'm very excited that currently, uh, and for the last 20 years, I've been a private consultant, and most of our clients are uh, higher education institutions. And that was built on years as a math teacher and a chair and a dean uh, in actually a higher education institution before that. So it's a a world I love. And this is Joan, and uh, I work with Jeannie. We we work together in our our business and... uh... We, um, for me, education is a vocation. You know, I have been involved in education all my life. And like Jeannie, come to consulting out of, I don't know, 30 plus years in higher education from faculty to president. And uh, we think appreciative inquiry fits so profoundly within the kind of goals of higher education. So we're really excited to be with you this morning, Dustin. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. So uh, yeah, we'll get into the meat of it here. Um, but before we go any further, just to make sure everybody understands, because uh, sometimes it's like that bias of like, oh, well, I know what it is. I'm sure everybody else does. But um, so uh, yeah, if you just want to give, uh, we'll go with you on this one, Jeannie, um, just briefly, if you want to give an explanation of what appreciative inquiry is. Oh, I'd be happy to do that. Basically, appreciative inquiry is a way of looking at the world and using tools to make changes in the world for a positive intent. The appreciative is really to value what is already going on and inquire into that and find out more about what's really valuable that's going on in any situation. And it's also to increase that, to increase that value through the uh, appreciative uh stance and the way of inquiry and asking great questions. And it's also, um, especially in these times where we're, we're looking at a lot of systemic issues going on, it's also to be fully aware. So don't just focus on the positive, but also look at what's wrong in the world in order to refocus and saying, use an appreciative inquiry to say, how is it we can inquire and advocate for change, social justice change? through the lens of appreciative inquiry by being full aware, valuing what we're doing well to make those changes. So that's it. Appreciative inquiry in a nutshell. (laughs) 
Gotcha, gotcha. And I think uh, it may come up uh, just as like a shorthand and just sort of like AI, which is like, you know, <laughs> in my head, it's like, oh, it's like the other AI, you know, the not other artificial AI. intelligence. But yeah, so I'm sure that maybe it'll be just a shorthand to make sure that people don't get uh, confused, but AI as an appreciative inquiry. Um, but because, uh, yeah, I know this resonates with me a lot just because I... Um, love sort of the school of thought of like positive psychology and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just that viewpoint on the world. And I guess just as like a quick clarifying point, um, do you see those as kind of like, cause I'm sure maybe people are a little bit familiar with like positive psychology. It's just a broader school of thought. So do you feel like this is sort of like a manifestation of that, uh, in a, just a particular context? Well, there's a real connection between appreciative inquiry and positive psychology and, uh, um, kind of it's, other uh, theoretical basis, social mm-hmm. construction, where we really create the organizations that we work in, in relationship to each other. So you're absolutely right, Dustin, there's a real relationship between positive psychology, social construction, and appreciative inquiry. And strengths-based leadership, the work that's being done, mm-hmm. around, you know, mm-hmm. looking at strengths. So a lot of things are related to this surfacing of people's wisdom to see what is already successful and celebrated and build on it and really recognizing strengths. So there's lots of things that are wonderfully interconnected in that. And when David Cooper Ryder um, started Appreciative Inquiry, uh, David Cooper Ryder and others as well started Appreciative Inquiry in the early 80s, there was that strong kind of seeking other kinds of theories that could inform the new theory of appreciative inquiry. And so your instinct is right. There's a real link between uh, positive psychology in particular and appreciative inquiry. And positive education. Joan and I were uh, part of a facilitator group, uh, which led 900 people from how many countries, Joan? I I think 18 or 20 or something like around the world a couple Mm. of years ago. And it was, a, it was actually a blend between Martin Seligman's work, working with David Cooperwriter to hold an appreciative inquiry, huge summit, as I said, a really big summit, in order to explore how positive education, in other words, positive psychology and education, is thriving in the world. And so that we could connect people all around the world to what they're doing and what more we could be doing in positive education. So I think that's a really good example of how the worlds connect between appreciative inquiry and positive psychology and education. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, well, cause yeah, I mean, it's always just for me sometimes like, you know, connecting the dots that people might have a point of reference to, and it sort of just helps to, you yeah. know, contextualize things. But um, yeah. And I guess just kind of zooming in a little bit, cause you know, I'm sure there's a myriad of different uh, kind of use cases for, um, you know, this is philosophy and you know, just how it informs uh, different organizations, and everything, but obviously we'll, we'll focus on higher education. So we'll go to you uh, on this one first, Joan. So how do you see this concept uh, kind of applying and showing up in higher education specifically? Well, I think there's, there's so many ways in which appreciative inquiry is being used in, uh, in higher education. Um, it's being used in the classroom as appreciative pedagogy. It focuses on the strengths of learners and the ways in which learners show up in class and how strengths can be amplified through the curriculum. Uh, it's showing up in massive strategic planning uh, work. And that's something that Jeannie and I do a fair bit with universities and colleges where the universities want to bring the entire organization together or the entire organization and the community together to ask that question, what might we be in the future? And so it's used a tremendous amount for uh, strategic planning in in higher education. 
it's used um, in team development and organizational development in other ways as well to look at the ways in which divisions and departments can utilize their strength. And also it's used as a, a powerful force for kind of generative leadership, the ways in which leaders might consider the questions they ask and how those questions can add to the possibilities inside of an organization. And so right across the organization, it's being used in all different kinds of, uh, of ways, um, you know, from the kind of the tool of strategic planning to the much more kind of, you know, Jeannie mentioned this at the beginning, this notion of kind of being appreciative inquiry. How can I increase in value what I see right in front of me and fan the flame to get more of that inside the organization? Well, yeah, and it just makes me think like within the higher ed context, just like, you know, I think, you know, when people encounter this, I know, and it's kind of just speaking from my experience specifically, but imagine this would be the case for a lot of folks. Like this just makes so much sense, you know, but I think unfortunately, especially in like American society, you know, it is kind of a rugged individualism and just kind of like, you know, not, we don't often, I think, encounter spaces where it is so kind of affirmative and strength based and all these kind of things. But once you learn more about like just this whole uh, philosophy, it's like, it just resonates and makes so much sense. And I think, you know, as students are entering college and just uh, finding themselves and building their communities and networks and, you know, uh, all those sort of things, like it's just so, so powerful. And, um, you know, it, it definitely has been something for me. Like I, uh, you know, encountered it through leadership courses in undergrad and then took positive psychology courses in graduate school within the kind of the context of higher ed. And um, it really does just, yeah, just kind of inform daily practice, but then even, you know, like you said, it can kind of like really zoom out and just be like, okay, well, we're going to utilize this uh, mindset and questioning and just sort of uh, framework to also like, you know, strategically plan, you know, maybe like decades into the future for an entire institution that's already existed for hundreds of years or, you know, like it can all, it, it can be either like super micro or super macro, you know, it has applications for sure on, on kind of either side. Yeah, and also with higher education institutions right now going through all sorts of chaos and, mm -hmm. um, you know, called the COVID experience. And then also the notions of diversity, equity, and inclusion, all of those are can be really informed by uh, appreciative inquiry. So right now, it's like really rich. And I think that, that, you know, if there was ever a moment for appreciative inquiry in higher education, I think it might be now. Mm -hmm. I think there's some real yearning to kind of unravel exactly what you were talking about, about, about kind of that, you know, to look more at the, the collective ways in which people can support each other um, and really kind of begin to answer that quintessential thing that higher education is about. Higher education is about hope. You know, it's about fostering dreams for every learner that comes through the door. And it mm -hmm. also should be about fostering hope for the people who work inside it. So I think if there was ever a time where appreciative inquiry can find its home in higher education, it would be now. There's a lot going on that are very complicated conversations. You know, what does it mean to force entire institutions online and then bring them back face to face and then out they go online again? And to in the midst of trying to uh, work really deeply, as Jeannie said, about diversity, equity, inclusion. And that seems to show up the last few times, especially we've been doing 
summits with a faculty of whatever education, perhaps that's one example where there were, they wanted to go back to their original culture. Well, <laughs> there's not really going back anymore, but what that underpinned, the underpinning of that going back to the culture is what's showing up is this diversity and the tensions that it can, it, it can, uh, you know, include. And so people come together to not ignore what's happening, but to use appreciative inquiry to saying, how is it we've got this diversity and difference and we're working together now? And how can we be doing that even better than what we are grounding ourselves in? So it's it's a complex time in the world. And appreciative inquiry works really well with complex times. And that, in fact, David Cooperwriter has just come out with an ad, added rung to the different rungs he talks about in Appreciative Inquiry, the lowest rung being the easiest, which is the extraordinary, which is kind of where he started out in uh, working with the Cleveland Clinic, right, which is an extraordinary institution. And then the next rung is, well, if you can do it with the extraordinary, how about just with the ordinary, which is a little more challenging, but still it's a wonderful place to be. And then the top, which he's just added based on reading our latest book, which is Building Resilience with Appreciative Inquiry, which he wrote the foreword to. After reading our book, he said there's another rung. And that's the tragic. That's the challenging. That's that. He calls it the tragic. We call it the uh, state of despair in our resilience book. So, you know, Appreciative Inquiry is always growing. You know, this is just in the recent couple of years. So that's a wonderful world to be in that everybody can contribute to the growth um, of appreciative inquiry. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I think it's one of those things of kind of looking at something and not being like, oh, well, that theory doesn't apply. So it must be wrong. It's like, no, it kind of evolves, you know, with the yes. time. Like it's not, you know, yes. it's not saying that it's like uh, not worthy. It's kind of just like, yeah, like it's, it's kind of uh, it's evolving with like, I think certainly like it is like a globally shared experience of trauma right now. And it's just yes. sort of like, oh, yeah, I mean, this is like especially relevant and just, you know, how can we evolve this to sort of, uh, you know, kind of meet that challenge. But, you know, I think just, you know, uh, one last piece on the kind of the higher ed context, because I think we'll continue this conversation, sort of my other questions that I want to go through. But like, um, the idea of like higher ed having that like existential crisis, just like, if none of this was going on with like global pandemics and remote learning and everything it was just like still a trend line of like people kind of doubting the value of a degree and like how much it costs and just mm -hmm. sort of, you know, those sort of things. So having to like rebuild those relationships sometimes of like, you know, this is relevant, this is why it's valuable and this is, you know, why it's worth the investment and um, those sort of things being able to, you know, meet with community stakeholders and um, students and anybody and everybody really didn't um, make sure that there's a really, uh, I don't know, like a strong foundation because it can and obviously like just get into like kind of devolve and, you know, if you don't kind of have like a strong mindset, like to kind of, uh, you know, manage conversations and like, you know, uh, those sort of things, like it's just going to devolve into like finger pointing of like, well, you, you know, you keep raising tuition. I was like, well, you keep, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just going to like, yeah. you know, just you, you have to kind of, um, yeah, just navigate those with a little bit more of a deft hand and, um, you know, appreciative inquiry kind of, uh, works to help with that. So I guess, you know, this next question, we can kind of take it with a little bit more of like a, maybe an action focused lens of just, you know, like this, um, you know, the concept of a appreciative inquiry being, you know, really like embodied in a culture, kind of like the day to day or just, you know, how things actually happen. So I think we've talked a lot about kind of the, the, the values and the outcomes and kind of the relevance, but then like, how do you, um, 
you know, see this kind of working to be really embodied in an organization's culture. And we'll start with you on this one, uh, Jeannie. Well, I think it can be anywhere from, you know, when you're in a department meeting, say, uh, starting off with, well, since we last met, what are some of the things that have worked well in your in your world? Then share some of those together. And you're inquiring and you're asking about what's working. And so therefore, people are sharing ideas that then they go, oh, I think I could try that too. Or here's my idea of what I've, what I've done based on a success I've had in the last month. And so that just becomes part of the culture if that's just part of the regular way a meeting is started, for example. And I think all those small ways in which appreciative inquiry can be embedded in the way people ask a question. You know, I, I, many years ago now, I had an opportunity to work uh, with a president in the middle of a quite a deep crisis. And so we would meet in a crisis meeting every morning about 6.30. And always her first questions were about, you know, what have we done well since yesterday in managing this crisis? And what that did was set us all up in the room to kind of long to do more, you know, and it's that fundamental notion of appreciative inquiry. What has value? What more might we do? Such a simple concept, really, appreciative inquiry. Um, It's not easy to practice in the everyday, but I think that there's ways in which leaders can embody this notion of to appreciate what is, to inquire into what might be in kind of the everyday of the organization, right across the spectrum. And then it starts to kind of infect and it kind of, you know, works in some ways as an antidote to some of the discouragement that sometimes people feel in higher education, particularly at the moment you mentioned this about, you know, people questioning the value of higher education, questioning, you know, the cost of higher education, questioning how we're uh, able to deliver it at this moment in time. And I think it speaks to seeking to understand the fundamental tenets of higher education, which are about the access to deep understanding of knowledge. It doesn't matter whether you're studying mechanics or philosophy. It's that deep understanding of something that higher education provides. And so appreciative inquiry kind of finds its way to, to, to buddy right up against that and, and fan the flame of that, I think, in powerful ways. And, and, and an example is, you know, with the COVID crisis and suddenly things are having to be done predominantly virtually. And, you know, that's been going on in higher ed for a while. Now it is, it's essential. So those who've been resisting are no longer able to resist because that's the only way available sometimes. And the opportunity is people starting to see the opportunity that that provides. Joan and I have been in that same situation. We've had to redesign some of our coursework and training and so on because instead of physically traveling to where that would be done, we are now doing it from home. And it's amazing how our participants are saying things like, oh, I only wanted to face-to-face and I got was disappointed when I had to do this virtually. And I can't believe how profound this learning is. So that kind of opportunity is huge. And when you have an appreciative culture, it's easier to say, well, this is a problem. I don't want to do this, but well, how can I open my eyes to what is possible here? What this is as an opportunity. Yeah. And I think it's such 
interesting things because I think, you know, how this actually gets embodied, like, you know, I think there's certainly, you know, like probably a spectrum of people who are like, you know, uh, either just like avoidant or aloof, like they're, they're not doing it. And, uh, you know, they're just like not making the time for it, but, you know, they're going to, I think, warm up to it pretty easily once you like, yeah, maybe start to integrate it into these like smaller ways. And it really starts to build up people's kind of emotional capacity to be more, um, more hopeful and, uh, more optimistic, but, yeah, and that idea of kind of people being like resistant because I think some people would be just like yeah, actively dismissive of saying like that's not a valuable use of time. You know, you've got to just like get things done, just be transactional, and then you know move on. But because I think what's also like kind of uh, sort of swirling for me in all this is especially like uh, you know it kind of builds to kind of my next question as well. But like you know during this current moment as well, like there's such a need for communication with constituents and stakeholders and like trying to bring people together and be kind of like diplomatic and, re- you know, respectful on that. Um, and like hearing people's stories and hearing, you know, what they're actually feeling and what, you know, how things are impacting them. And, you know, it, it obviously is not going to serve any institutional leaders uh, very well to be kind of like avoidant or dismissive of that and just kind of like, well, we're just going to like put out press statements about, you know, whether we're, o- we're open or we're remote or, you know, these sort of things. Like, I think it's, uh, you know, certainly valuable to do that, but also like, Maybe you need to like, you know, again, it's, as much as my where my brain always goes is like as much as I'm, I kind of have the experience with it's just like, you know, for, uh, you know, college or university doing a town hall or doing some sort of like, you know, engaging uh, webinar or whatever to speak about what's going on, hear firsthand from people, respond to them and show them that they're heard and that they're appreciated and, you know, just kind of uh, understand better what they're experiencing versus like making assumptions or yeah, again, just like not thinking that that is like time well spent. And, and I think that, you know, it goes back to saying right at the beginning, you asked about the definition of a of appreciative inquiry. And I think that notion that you're actually powerfully getting at is one of the definitions of appreciate is not just to increase in value or to value what is, but also to be fully aware, to actually, you know, stand in kind of the the storm of how people are are feeling at different moments in time when things happen inside institutions and allowing that to exist. And then kind of saying, you know, if that exists, how might we use our influence to create a future together? And it opens the the door from, you know, kind of issue to action um, and you don't want to say that blithely because some of the, some issues are, enormous and they're not going to go away because they're huge and systemic, but it begins to chip away at some of those larger uh, issues. And so there's that opportunity, as you say, for people to, to be able to express some of the anxiety of what is going on for them, but also to ask that question, what might we do now that we understand that? Yeah. And, and we always call appreciative inquiry a practice, because it's not something that you get perfect. <laughs> you have mm-hmm. to keep practicing it. And I think it's the leadership. And when we use the term leadership, we mean anybody who's moving things along positively in the world. So it could be in the classroom. It could be as a department chair. It could be as a student, student leadership, student in the classroom, anywhere, higher, the higher in the hierarchy or the bottom line that people are making positive changes in their world because they're practicing appreciative inquiry. And as I think we've already used the term, we try to infect an organization with appreciative inquiry 
so that people don't even know that we're that that's happening because people who are passionate about it are simply living it. They're not going around saying, oh, we've got to do appreciative inquiry. They're simply taking that practice of looking at things, being curious, and appreciating what is and what more could be done, both the good and the bad, and let's make it better, <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. it is. So. Right. I just wanted to add something to what Jeannie just said before we go on to the next question. And I think that one of the the things that um, this process allows for people is I can list the things that are wrong on any given day, but by listing those things that are wrong, I actually have almost eliminated my agency to do anything. But when I seek to understand what might be possible within those issues. When I seek to understand, is there a place inside the organization that this issue is being answered, being practiced in a positive way? Is there a small thing that I might do? I immediately begin to take back my own agency, no matter where I am inside an organization. And that's very powerful for people because in that agency is hope. And in that agency is understanding there's a possibility for positive change inside an organization. And that notion of agency, when we do, you know, a formal process of appreciative inquiry, no matter how small or big, you know, through the um, the D's, discover, dream, and design, and live the destiny and deliver it, that notion of designing actions is also really key. Appreciative inquiry in that form is a tool to actually make things happen. And people make commitments, they offer things to each other in order to help each other in those actions that are planned to move forward. And so, and they have requests, they request each other. So it's a, it's a really collaborative, committed way of actually taking the cycle through and then living those actions and re-looking at them, rediscovering, well, what did we do well? What else could we be doing? And so on. So this that whole cycle. And again, that becomes part of the culture is to just re-ask and re-dream and redesign and, and then continue to deliver. And I'll give you a really practical example. Jeannie and I were working with a large private university in the States doing a really big strategic planning process. And they undertook to include everybody on in the organization and people from the community and alumni and the board of trustees and so on. In the middle of the, right at the almost end of the strategic planning process, um, the president decided to move on to someplace else. And so they were kind of left with this almost finished strategic plan. And sometimes in organizations, then, you know, the trustees kind of go, okay, should we wait now for a new president? What should we do? The organization said to the trustees, let's ask an appreciative question. From all of these strategies, what might we do to move the organization forward that is powerful as you seek a new president and CEO for the organization? And so it really gets at what Jeannie was saying about the kind of practice of appreciative inquiry. Um, the daily practice of it, the generative question of it allows you to use things even when something's been derailed that you've been working on for months. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all really good stuff. I mean, it, it just, because I think it, it, I'll, I'll again try to build this towards the next question because I feel like this is going to really like be, you know, uh, another kind of uh, knockout uh, punch here just to really like bring this home for people is, you know, just what you're saying too is like, within these things, it's, 
not trying to like ignore or dismiss like the problems or the gaps or any of those sort of things. It's just almost like, yeah, kind of appreciating where you are with that and recognizing the opportunities for growth and improvement and, um, you know, those sort of things. So I think, uh, yeah. And, and it just so much being like a practice and like a habit. And I mean, there's, there's so much there that, of like an organization, like keeping each other honest and, you know, really celebrating those moments where, you know, um, you know, good questions were asked or just, uh, really like embodying this value. But, um, you know, and certainly, you know, with all of that, uh, being said of like, you know, you're not trying to ignore anything that's wrong or anything that's negative and trying to just really, um, build that, uh, capacity towards, uh, more optimism and more, um, you know, just the capacity for, for change and improvement and everything, you know, I, I imagine a lot of people hearing this might say like, okay, that's all, that's all sounds great, but like things are just very unpredictable right now and disrupted and, you know, all of that. So, you know, I think we, we've kind of alluded to this quite a bit and, you know, whatever way that you want to take it just to emphasize something again, or just, you know, continue to flesh it out. But, you know, what makes this concept, what makes this concept especially relevant right now? Uh, and we'll start with you, uh, Joan, on this one. Well, I think what makes it particularly relevant right now is is a lot of organizations are saying, you know, how does our, you know, in the big scale, how does our strategic planning stand up to this kind of uh, environment at the moment? And what more might we build in inside of that? And so I think there, there are moments to kind of reflect on where an organization was going and then think about how they can add to to that. So then the big scale. But I think often within, uh, you know, these kinds of times, I mean, everyone has had to pivot because of this pandemic. They've had to work from home. You know, their kids are not necessarily going to school regularly. It's been a time of chaos. And I think within times of chaos, the being appreciative inquiry, bringing appreciative inquiry home is really powerful. And asking those questions, what is it that I can do on this day to amplify what is positive inside the organization? What can I, small thing might I do? What questions can I ask that move us forward within this chaos? Um, and so I think, you know, I... David Cooperwriter and many other appreciative inquiry practitioners, including Jeannie and I, always think that underneath every problem is a simple yearning. And so mm. as we express those problems like chaos, what is it we seek to create? And are there places inside the organization where that's getting created that we could enable? Do we need to begin at the beginning and say, how can we create something positive out of this chaos. And there's been so many positive things, you know, in a, the most simplest way, both Jeannie and I are, 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 are not youngsters. Uh, and yet we have fully embraced living and working in an online environment and have learned an enormous amount. And we look at that as an incredible opportunity. So I think the being AI is where I'd say is powerful at the moment within the chaos. What can I appreciate today? What might I be curious about? And I want to give a real life example. This morning I was co-facilitating an appreciative inquiry with a 
small group that came out of that World Positive Education Accelerator in 2018. And uh, there are positive educators who have a positive psychology background. There's appreciation inquiry practitioners. We're an interesting mix because we don't always actually uh, engage in quite the same way. So it's it, it, it's a kind of really interesting opportunity. And this morning we did an appreciative inquiry uh, because we've done so much work getting out into the world. Some tips for parents to be resilient through this challenging time. What do they do? Because many of them are having to spend a lot of time actually helping their kids uh, uh, learn online and all that. And so, you know, we one the main person who has our Zoom link didn't have breakout rooms and I'm facilitating. I said, well, I don't see where your thing sits because she made me host. Mm where it says breakout rooms and it, I don't see it here. And she realized I don't, I've never used breakout rooms. So we all just kind of went with the flow and laughed and went out of one room into the other. I set up one of my own zoom account so I, I could get breakout rooms. And, and next week we're going to do the second part of it because we only got so far in this first inquiry into, you know, investigating this fabulous group on resilience for parents and how well it's been working and we're going to carry that on next week. <laughs> and hopefully we'll have breakout rooms. And so I think it's the, you know, that ability to laugh and appreciate and be vulnerable and supportive of one another for what it is that we're doing right now in this chaotic time. And I think there is that in appreciative inquiry, that notion of, of curiosity and vulnerability. You know, we seek to understand what has value. And by doing so, we identify for ourselves what we deeply care about. And then we say, what more might we do? What are we curious about? And so I think that this is a time of doing exactly that over and over again every day as we deal with the ebb and flow of the pandemic, as we deal with being in online uh, environments, as we deal with some of the huge issues in higher education, like the digital divide that have become so apparent, like issues of of poverty and socioeconomic issues that are impacting people in ways that were not as visible when they were on campus. And so, so I think there are those moments where appreciative inquiry kind of lets us re reside in grace and, and, uh, and begin anew every moment. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, there's so much, I guess, like swirling around. I think like, um, I guess the the one thing that like through all that of just like, yeah, like it kind of being, you know, amidst all the chaos, like it's especially relevant, like, because I think it's an interesting thing of like, I think that like all the noise and the chaos of what's going on and kind of just like, you have to sit at home and like doom scrolling on my phone. It's kind of like allowed for me to kind of try to find some like serenity and all the noise, you know, where it's just like, you know, asking those questions of myself even um, and allowing to kind of be like, you know what? Yeah, I want to support these organizations and I know we're doing good work that I want to support and take that time even now, especially so because, you know, it's, it's that much more needed and it, you know, just in kind of the day to day sometimes just overlooking those things. And I think, you know, stuff like this can, I guess, kind of fall in that bucket of just people kind of being, um, yeah, again, you know, just sort of aloof probably and, you know, that they would they would say like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, would want that or that, that that is important to me, but they just don't, you know, maybe make the time for it. But it's certainly, you know, again, just to echo it again, I feel like it's just like, like such an important uh, habit uh, to kind of uh, ingrain. But, you know, with with that, I guess like that that is something that I'd want to make sure that we're kind of emphasizing here a lot is like advice that you would give someone trying to incorporate 
you know, AI into their work, into their life. Um, so, you know, again, whatever kind of resonates or kind of comes up for either of you, I'll, I'll start with you on this one, uh, Jeannie. Well, first of all, read our book on appreciation inquiry in higher education, <laughs> The Transformative Force. I mean, it really is the only book out there that is focused so much on education, especially higher education. And so we found it is soon people read it and they start to go, wow, I could do it here. I could do it there. I could do it this. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of other resources because start with that book. Uh, you could move to the Building Resilience with Appreciative Inquiry, which is the other book. And there's lots of resources in both those books to go further reading. Uh, when I got involved in hearing about Appreciative Inquiry, I just went out and read, read, read everything I could and then just tried it, right? Try, try it from the simplest thing to say, Okay, next time I'm having a conversation with that difficult person, I'm going to start by asking them something which will actually generate hope for them. I'm going to look at something that they have, even a small strength that I don't often see, <laughs> and just notice it uh, and bring it forward and ask a question that might move us forward rather than in the defensive. And I, I just want to amplify what Jeannie said is just to begin, to begin where you can. Maybe you are uh, a department head trying to create a little plan for what's going on right now in, in your department's world or in your division's world or your school's world and just begin, right? By asking that question, you know, what are we doing well here? What are we proud of at the moment? And what do you think we might do in the next couple of months to really take care of both our students and ourselves and the organization? And so I, th I agree with Jeannie, just begin. Think about the way you ask questions. Think about, you know, there's lots of resources. Uh, Jeannie named a couple, both of our books, but also the uh, Cooper Ryder Center for Appreciative Inquiry at Champlain College in the United States, the Center for Vermont. Appreciative Inquiry uh, out of Las Vegas, and the Cooper Ryder Center in particular has an incredible number of resources online for people who want to begin to use uh, appreciative inquiry from what is it <laughs> to tools to use it and so on. And many of those tools uh, you can also find um, in our book. But And take some training, both centers, uh, both the Cooper Ryder Center for Appreciative Inquiry and the Center for Appreciative Inquiry itself are wonderful places to sign up for something that you'll get some training in appreciative inquiry. That's people just, can't believe what how that shifts how they look at the world, many of them, or reinforces how they look in the world. And they're glad that <laughs> there are other people in the world who look for the best of what is and what's working and the strengths. Uh, so yeah, there's lots of ways to continue the journey of deepening a practice of appreciative inquiry. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wanted to emphasize because I feel like it's come up uh, a bit and, you know, you recognize too, like kind of there being more leaders than just like the president of a higher ed institution. It can be, you know, Oh, you're, well, you're the head of a department. You're just like the head of a team. Um, anything like that. Like, I think it's so valuable for that leader to kind of be modeling the way with this sort of, um, uh, you know, questioning and just sort of framing of things. But then certainly, cause I feel like I'm always kind of like, you know, the optimistic kind of energetic one. That's always like, you know, uh, willing to kind of celebrate what we're doing well and, you know, wanting to, you know, give that it's uh, due attention and everything. So it's like, 
I've always just relished like, yeah, I'm like the positive guy, you know, like on the team, even if everybody else is like, you can have curmudgeon or whatever. It's like, yeah, I mean, I've never led a team per se, but like, I think I've maybe helped to lead teams more towards kind of even just towards the center of just like, yeah, sure. You know, we could just sit here and like complain and, you know, just, you know, talk about how awful things are, but then it's like, okay, well, what can we do about that? Or what? And, and what's like fascinating is that sometimes people like, cannot they can't give any clear guidance on like okay yeah sure you don't like how training is like how should we do it differently and just like you know at a loss and kind of just repeating you know whatever kind of gripes they have or something but you know i don't know that's always just been the mindset and i think it's you know it's especially relevant to leaders of teams but absolutely you know anybody should feel empowered to you know just take up that mantle uh and kind of uh you know lead the charge but and I guess, I mean, I mean, again, just perfect, uh, perfect segue here, but, um, cause I want to make sure we gave time to like talk through resources and things. And you already gave, a you know, just a treasure trove of good stuff there. Uh, we'll link out to all of that in the show notes, but, um, anything else? Like I'm always curious if maybe there's like podcast out there or like uh, something else that you feel like would be relevant here that you'd want to uh, recommend. Before we go there, I think Dustin, you just touched on something that was so powerful and just quickly, I know we're running, uh, to our time limit, but as an influencer, you kind of described yourself as an influencer. And I think this is a real place for people to practice appreciative inquiry as the influencer in the group to kind of help people understand that maybe there's a different uh, lens at which they can look through, through things. I, and I was going to emphasize that too, Dustin, that notion of, you know, many times I've been in a team and with an appreciative mindset, I've influenced the team, not being the leader of the team, by, as you were describing, just the kind of questions you ask to kind of disrupt where, you know, the normal <laughs> route of complaining about something, just disrupt mm-hmm. that a bit. And I think as teachers and professors and all instructors, I think, you know, you can do things like ask students to tell stories in pairs with each other about when they've really learned well, when has it been exciting and energizing and to just set the tone of learning of excitement instead of learning, oh my goodness, I have to take this course, right? And by sharing those stories and ideas, the instructor gets a sense from them of what it is that will really be great for uh, the instructor to do in order to have another experience for them of exciting, wonderful learning, so. And you were asking about resources. The Mm -hmm, initiative mm -hmm. inquiry a group of practitioners around the world is an incredibly giving community. Um, and so there are ways in which people can join that community just to, because they're curious about appreciative inquiry. Um, and so there's lots of free webinars always going on out of the Cooper Ryder Center or out of the uh, Center for Appreciative Inquiry uh, in Vegas. Um, Jeannie and I's uh, uh, website, there's lots of resources there. And one of the things that's powerful about this community, and, and David started this at the very beginning, he, he really wanted appreciative inquiry to grow. And so he invited the world to participate in it, to write on it, to expand the knowledge, to expand the understanding. And because of that appreciative inquiry in the community, um, people are really supportive of each other. And so I would say one of the ways to start and one of the great resources is each other in that community to reach out to somebody and say, hey, I want to try this. <laughs> Can I spend five minutes with you? So 
you know, there's lots of places people can go. And one of the things that through the Cooper Writers Center you can find as a resource is the International Journal on Appreciative Inquiry. It's called the AI Practitioner. And Joan and I co-edited, guest edited the one coming out in November, which is next week, which is going to be exciting. It's it's the topic. It always has a topic. Oh, actually, no, sometimes there's open journals, but it has the topic of hope in times of despair. This one coming mm. up next week. And so people are writing on how they've used appreciative inquiry to generate hope in, in times co- of despair. And through COVID. And, and through yeah. this particular... It's very powerful. Some of the articles are amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, well, then, you know, uh, certainly hope, optimism... It's my jam. I'm just going to consider myself, you know, internal optimist for sure. So uh, we always do like to end the episodes on an optimistic note. Um, so we'll kind of take our cues from uh, that very uh, work that you've just been doing on that uh, publication. So uh, just briefly, and we'll start with you on this one, Joan, uh, just what are you looking forward to with this work that you'd want to share with, uh, with everybody in the audience? Well, I think that uh, the thing that I'm working, looking forward to is is just continuing to deepen the practice of appreciative inquiry in so many ways in my personal life and in my professional life. Um, Because appreciative inquiry keeps growing. You know, Jeannie and I are working on a lot of uh, work in appreciative inquiry in the times of the tragic in very complex situations. And um, there's real growth there where people are suffering and want ways to have conversations around huge and systemic issues. And so I'm really looking forward to that work expanding over time. I'm always looking forward in higher education to hearing the stories of how organizations have used appreciative inquiry uh, to uplift the work that they're doing. And I'll just add on to that, and I'm really looking forward to continuing to work virtually. It's so exciting to connect with people worldwide. People don't have travel costs anymore. They come onto these webinars and interactions, learning interactions, and learn together, and the connections globally and the feelings they have of being connected globally through this COVID crisis and and beyond. I hope it goes beyond because people really have so much to share around the world about living appreciative inquiry. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've I've connected with people for this podcast all over the place and it's just uh, incredible. Yeah. To have these conversations and uh, so appreciative of uh, this one as well and all that you all shared and, um, you know, have ways to connect with uh, you all and your work in the show notes as well as everything else that you mentioned uh, as usual. But, um, yeah, just thank you so much, uh, both of you for your time and, uh, yeah, it's just such great stuff. Thanks so much, Dustin. It's been a great spending time with you. It's fabulous meeting somebody like you, Dustin, who is so into this. Yay! <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.